Hallelujah. Presence of the Lord is here. I feel in my spirit a, a compulsion of the Lord that he's, that he's ready to do something for someone that you just are about to let him do. But it comes down to you letting him. Because as has been said, God is a perfect gentleman. And he is one who will not impose himself upon us. Today he makes proposition for you to come weary, heavy laden. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Anybody else kind of feel in the spirit there's a little more left for the Holy Ghost to do? Maybe a lot. Maybe a healing. Maybe a, maybe a revolution in someone's thinking. Revolutionizing prior motives. RPMs. Hallelujah. Hebrews 6.1 is a continuation of our series. And we're still talking about the elementary principles, the first principles of the oracles of God, basically the blueprint for a New Testament church. If you're looking for a church, make sure you study the foundation, the basic primary tenets. I call them the blueprints. Study the blueprints because this is the New Testament church blueprint. It says, therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection. How many of you really do want to go on to perfection with all your heart? How many of you love staying in the ABCs? Not me. But let us go on to perfection. I have it in my spirit that we will advance in our teaching on Sunday mornings to that point where we will be getting into discussions and messages of perfection and what it looks like. However, we do have a responsibility to be sure that we have laid the foundation that is going to be the undergirding security for that perfection. Because moving to perfection without a, without a good foundation is like building a building without a foundation. It will only last until the first stress comes its way. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of what? And of three words. Say it loud, everyone. Faith toward God. That's today's message. Faith toward God. Don't check out on me if that's elementary. Don't check out on me if you've heard it before. I would like for you to stay focused with me on that whole idea of faith toward God. One more verse. Hebrews 11:6 6 says without faith. Oh, speaking of faith, there's another verse on faith. Without faith. And we're talking about faith toward God. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God, this is foundational. This is fundamental. This is the blueprint. He who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him half-heartedly just on Sundays. And the rest of the week, they're on their own to do whatever they want. He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Diligently means you really have no other time for anything else in your primary focus, you want to seek and you want to find him. The Bible tells us somewhere else that those who seek him shall find him. And then we can move on to perfection. And in perfection, we're gonna be able to look back down and say, aren't you glad we have a foundation of repentance from dead works? We have a foundation of faith toward God. And we have a, we have a foundation of baptisms that's yet to come. And these foundational items make up the blueprint of your New Testament, everybody say, my New Testament church. In Jesus' name, let's lift our hands to heaven one more time. Lord, give us faith towards you today. Let faith towards you rise. Lord Jesus, I pray that you let faith towards you become something that is escalated. Lord, let there be a evident advancement of faith in this house. God, let it not be something that just happens quietly and internally we love that but lord let it be something that is expressed externally as we come to you lord jesus we have faith toward you in jesus name everybody with faith toward god give the lord a hand clap of praise and let's pray for more faith amen lord i believe
help thou mine unbelief. You are welcome to take your seats. Welcome to take your seats. Now, if you would just bear with me for about 10 minutes, I'd like to stem loosely off of that opening of the message and go a slightly different direction. I'd like to make an announcement that has everything to do with what's happening this week and throughout the summer. And it's time for me to tell you how you are, I believe, so blessed by God to be a church that is used of the Lord in extraordinary ways. So here's the good news. I wrote it down so I don't just ramble. In the middle 1960s, when this church was barely 10 years old, among many, God gave us yet another miracle. A gifted 10-acre plot of land near Conifer, Colorado, which encompassed a beautiful forested mountain top. When we hosted services in that location under a big top tent, can anyone remember what that camp meeting was called? Thank you. Does anybody remember? It was Rocky Mountain Camp Meeting. Now, some of us can picture driving up 285 and turning right on Kennedy Gulch and passing the pond and seeing Brother Knott and a few of the guys fishing and then heading on up to the top of the hill and getting a coffee break at the Parsons' house and then continuing to the right, taking a left and going on down where you see the big, the big wooden sign over the driveway. Am I, am, I, am I strumming some nostalgia right now for some, some folks? It said Rocky Mountain Camp Meeting. And when you drove through those doors, there were places, facilities, there were, there were concessions, there was a pavilion, oh, there was a bunkhouse, there was a well. And that was a very important part of our history. It was called Rocky Mountain Camp Meeting. It was not yet called Open Bible Conference. That was to come in the 1980s. It was not yet called Mile High Conference. That was to come in the 90s. It was not yet called Mile High Revival. That was to come as a new name in the 2010s. But here, 2022, as the years have advanced and miracles continue at Calvary, God has positioned us as a congregation to be a flagship church in this region, which is dependent on and looked to by multitudes of people and dozens of churches as the apostolic church with the longest standing history. Isn't God good to make us the senior apostolic church in Colorado? dating back to 1956. And I don't say that with one bit of boasting or pride. It's simply a fact that deserves praise to God. And I thank Him for our foundation as a historical church and the roots the Lord has allowed to grow deeply into our hearts and minds. And just by hearing that, if you're new here today, you realize we must have a few generations here today. Well, yes, we do. My grandmother used to be a very, very active part. In fact, she was part of the founding of the church, my father and his siblings. And now, here I am today with my grandson. Generations have come and gone, and there's just a continuation of all of us sitting around waiting, saying, Lord, why haven't you come yet? Where's the rapture? <laughs> okay, let's continue here. Let's continue. God has positioned us. We do not say that in any kind of arrogance whatsoever, but as a simple praise to God. Now, in the last year or two, as you may know, our pastor, yours truly, has been elected by the ministers of the Colorado UPCI district to be the director for church planting. Everybody who knew that, raise your hand. Okay, I'm the director of church planting. Now, God helping us, that's actually a department called North American Missions. That department is responsible for church launching, church growth, and church health. Can I show you the churches that are looking to yours truly as a leader to help in those areas and to provide counsel, encouragement, 
and from time to time refreshing and teaching and even gear, equipment, buildings, signs, you never know. And all that's happening and no one, none of you really even need to know about it. But let me just show you some of your local UPCI church planting missionaries on the big screen. If you'll just look up behind me, you will see we have two slides because there are eight currently who are newer church planters within the last five years in the state of Colorado. We have the Coxes, we have the Riveras, we have the Ron Hills, we have the Sanchez. We need to get these people to come preach for us from time to time. They're wonderful, wonderful men and women of God. You see the next slide? We have who else here? Top of the slide is going to be brother and sister Randy Cox. Is that slide there? You guys have that slide? Oh, they ran through that quickly. Oh, okay, okay, I'm sorry. The next one is, and they, they look so much the same. Let me just explain to you why I even have these on the screen. I've printed these on big boards to have at the lobby of camp meeting in the, at the fairgrounds so that those who are passing through get to see their church planting missionaries in Colorado. So we have brother and sister Cox, we have the Riveras, Ron Hills, the Sanchez, and then of course you saw the others. <laughs> I'm getting them all mixed up because I wasn't following my projection guys up here. We have the Kiwi Maggies in Parker, we have the Cortez, we have the Gonzales in Summit uh, Eagle County, Colorado, and we have the Rivas who are pastoring a church up in uh, near the heart of downtown Denver, Colorado. So most of you really have most likely never heard of these people. Now, the reason I showed you those pictures and gave that mindset to you that we have people who are, who are looking for leadership and help, and something I forgot to write down but I need to say, is we have about eight to ten brand new church plants that are about to begin in Colorado. So, you see, with that happening, there has to be a continuous momentum that is maintained in prayer and communication. I'm so excited for this year's iteration of what we first called Rocky Mountain Camp Meeting. This year it's August 31 to September 2. Can I give you a little sample clip of the preacher who's going to be preaching the nights? A minute and a half. Anybody got an extra one minute and 30 seconds? I want you all to see what this, this is just a little snapshot sample of Bishop Wayne Huntley who's going to be preaching, and he actually is helping me preach my message today, of all things. So let's see if we can't cue that up and hit play. Take me just a moment. Brother John Hodum, where is your, well, you just come up here, John. You come up here. Just come stand right here, Brother Hodum. And that little guy right there on the front row with a little blue shirt on, would you come here just a minute? Give him a hand. The little guy over there, the smallest one I can see. He's about the smallest one I can see. Come up here quickly. Give him a hand while he comes. Stand right down there. If I was going to preach on David and Goliath, who would be what? You would immediately think this is Goliath and that's David. But I want to introduce you to the way God sees things. When God looked down from heaven, he saw this as David and that as Goliath. It has everything to do with where your faith is. I want you to look down on your problems. I want you to look, thank you men. I want you to look down on your struggles. I want you to look down on your, on your battles because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Stand up and clap your hands and bless the name of the Come Lord on, together right now. Say amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. So the daytime services of this mile high, which we have called mile high in the past, the daytime services of that meeting will be comprised not as much by filling the pews with new friends and saints, even though you're all invited, as much as drawing those who are responsible for souls and saints in their own communities. I'm talking about pastors and church leaders coming to Calvary, coming in here to see, to find out, and to learn, and to be 
put into the mainstream of how they can have the best help and resources to reach their communities. So the nighttime services will be overwhelmingly attended by everyone, members and leaders alike, as they will be power packed and highly anointed. The daytime sessions, however, they'll be designed to strengthen the cause of apostolic church planting and apostolic church harvest in this state and beyond. We're inviting Rocky Mountain region ministers and church leaders to come and participate in lab sessions with those who have experienced those who have success, those who God has blessed and used in multiple areas of church life and leadership in order to strengthen those churches. Folks, there have been churches in this area that have struggled and almost had to close. And the Lord has allowed us to kind of fan the flames and keep them encouraged. And so I want you to pray about this whole idea of becoming that kind of a church facility and family. It is with these thoughts in mind that we have, we, we have not only returned to the title of the first camp meeting, Rocky Mountain, but we're also praying for God to do exactly what he says in this scripture. Y'all ready for this? Isaiah 51 verse 9. Could you read it with me? What does Isaiah 51 verse 9 say on the big screen? Isaiah 51 verse 9. Everybody read it with me. Thank you. That's right. That's what you should be saying because there's nothing up there. So we don't have anything to say. Isaiah 51 9. Going. Let's read it. Awake. Awake. Put on strength. O arm of the Lord. Awake as in the ancient days. In the generations of old. Everybody say, awaken. awaken. So here you have the new name for at least this year and maybe next. As long as the Lord has called us to be involved and instrumental in equipping and empowering pastors and church leaders. Everybody say, Rocky Mountain, Rocky Mountain. Awaken. awaken. So put that on the screen if you wouldn't mind. You have that picture for me. I just want everybody to see that screen picture so you'll be familiar with what's going on August 31, September 1, September 2. All right, ready, set, display. Boy, I, you can tell I, I need to go back to magician school. Ready, set, play. That's okay. It is for this reason that it is highly worthy of your consideration to attend this week's UPCI camp meeting services at the Douglas County Fairgrounds, where there will be power-packed preaching day and night, Wednesday through Friday. Spanish speaking is going to be Tuesday night, 7.30. Many of our team leads, I'm talking about Calvary right now, many of our team leads will be engaged in blessing this camp meeting with skills and talents that we enjoy regularly here at Calvary. I just found out there are 15 of our kids ministry staff members who will be serving at camp meeting. There's gonna be media teams from our church helping. And you know, we're just blessed to be a blessing. Can y'all say I'm blessed to be a blessing? I don't know why it's tempting when we're blessed. We want to just keep on getting blessed. I want to turn that around and say, God, make me a conduit. I am blessed to be a blessing. We have youth leadership, music leadership, worship leadership, media leadership, all being invested as, uh, as investments at the camp meeting this year in Douglas County Fairgrounds. And I say, I say thank God for all of our church leadership and their willingness to participate in this region. Thank you for hearing me out, brothers and sisters. Thank you in advance for your cons consistent prayers, your faithfulness to continue to stabilize, advance, and grow the most amazing church in the world, Calvary Church. Praise God for this church. We're blessed to be a blessing. And I just heard again some sad news yesterday or day before. We've had someone else pass through our parking lot. No room to park, so they just went on and didn't stay. I hope and pray that we'll be able to have some kind of expansion soon. And I thank all of you ministers who are involved in church leadership for parking along the streets to help make room for our guests. All right. Hey, can I just say that was a bonus space right there? And I'm going to, I got a short message now. Okay. That was just, that was just a little bit of time that I needed to, to bring you up to date because as you enter into that camp meeting, you're going to see the exhibit booth that uh, that I'm setting up with my team, and, and we'll have them all uh, standing around, a bunch of them, and they'll be helping people understand how they can be involved in church planting in the state of Colorado. Because the time is short. How many of you believe Jesus is coming soon? Yes. 
How many of you believe it enough to really, really get serious about the fact that we must work while it is day? That we must be consistent and faithful even when we don't feel like it. Amen? Praise God. Everybody say faith toward God. Faith toward God. I guess that picture just must have gotten lost in the ether. That's okay. We'll show you at the camp meeting. Welcome to the mental health hotline. If you're obsessive compulsive, please press one repeatedly. If you're codependent, please ask someone else to press two. If you have multiple personalities, please press three, four, and five. If you have an eating disorder, press six, and while the line is busy, just have a little snack while we place you on hold. If you're schizophrenic, listen carefully, and a little voice will tell you which number to press. Hey, if you're paranoid, we know who you are and what you want. Just stay on the line so we can trace your call and come and get you. <laughs> if you're depressed, it doesn't matter which number you press. No one will answer anyway. If you're delusional and you occasionally hallucinate, please be aware that the thing you are holding on the side of your head is alive and about to bite off your ear. And finally, to register for our anger management class, just drop and stomp the phone right now. Thank you for calling the mental health phone line. How many of you have needed mental health in the past? How many of you need mental health today? How many of you are knowing very well that your brain is the center of the crosshairs of the enemy of your soul. He wants to bring you down and he can't bring you down with your fingernails, toenails. He can't bring you down with your legs, knees or thighs or, or, or hip or backbone or shoulders or your arms and fingers. Can I tell you the only way he can bring you down is if he is able to take faith and sap it out of your mind and make you someone who is left exposed, vulnerable, and without faith. I want to be the kind of person who says, God, I want to be a man who has faith toward God in all my mental distresses. And when the enemy comes in like a flood against me, Lord, lift up a banner against that enemy by reminding me that I have the victory in the name of Jesus Christ. And I'm not going to cave. I'm not going to capitulate. I will not give in. I know I repeated. I know I said this last week, but let me just repeat this for those who missed it. Finally, believers, Whatever's on Fox News, CNN, and social media, whatever is shady and disrespects my friends, whatever is wrong with this world and goes against God's word, whatever's disgusting and asinine, whatever gives you the most fear and anxiety, whatever's falling apart and not up to our standards of the way the world should be, if there are any flaws around us, if there's anything worthy of condemnation, think worthy, think continually on these things. How many of you love thinking on those things? You love thinking on whatever falls apart? Whatever gives you the most fear and anxiety? Whatever's disgusting and asinine? Whatever's wrong with this world and goes against God's word? Think continually on these things? Does the Bible say that? Everybody who thinks the Bible says that, raise your hand. Sorry. Bonk. Wrong. Here's your choice. Here's your choice. Believers, whatever is true, Whatever is honorable, worthy of respect. My, 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 I'm talking about a mental choice today. Whatever is pure and wholesome. Whatever is lovely and brings peace. Whatever is admirable and of good repute. If there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think continually on these things. And I tell you, you and I have choices today, and we can either think of the first set of things or the second set of things. It is your choice. And the choice is where do you continually center your mind, and what do you allow to be implanted into your thoughts on a regular basis? It is not something that is someone else's choice. It is yours and yours alone. I want to invite someone here today to make a decision. I want to think God's way, not
not the world's way. I want to think about the things that are righteous and pure, and I don't want to get my mind all stuck in the quagmire, the filth and the muck of the world. The enemy would love that. And I'm going to tell you something. In order to do that, we've got to be very careful where we place our attention. And we've got to be very careful about our mental direction. Because faith has to be toward God. If you're going to have the right blueprint and understand the foundation that you can build a life on that will last forever. And I mean forever. So faith has two directions. I want you to think about that for a minute. Brother Huntley alluded to that in that brief little clip. Faith has two directions. Faith has a right direction and literally a wrong direction. One of those is forward and the other is backward. Don't you love it when we have simple stuff to teach about at church? I told some new friends here today, if you can pray about anything, pray the Lord keeps the message simple and easy to understand and everybody grasp it before we go home. And not complicated and over anybody's heads. I don't want to do that because if I go over your heads, I'm probably way over my head. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to keep it simple. I know that faith has, has this possibility. It is possible for you to stoke the fires of your faith, but be doing it all in the wrong direction. <laughs> One direction is forward. The other is backward. It's, it's like, wow, faith? Really? Yes. One direction leads to Jesus Christ and others... The other direction leads to crisis. One leads to joy, the other one to suffering. One leads to power and authority, the other leads to outside tyranny over your mind and your soul. One leads to love and the other to suspicion. One leads to confidence and the other to disgruntlement. It's time, family of God, friends and guests here this morning, it's time to analyze, to self-evaluate, self-examine. Can I invite you today to put the mirror of the Word of God upon your soul? Turn it to yourself. Look full in it and say, which direction has my faith been trending? I do not want my faith to be trending in the direction that is going to lead to failure because ultimately I will either have faith in Goliath or I'm going to have faith in the God of David. And if I have faith in Goliath, I'm going to be someone who is cowering, who is afraid, and who is at a standstill and paralyzed with fear. Folks, can I tell you that literally faith in reverse is fear. When you don't have faith like you should, you're still, you still have faith in something. And it's bidirectional. It's one way or the other. It's kind of like this. The Bible tells us death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. I, I, I believe that there are very rarely neutral tongue actions. But most of the time, they're either going to bring life or they're going to bring death when you use your tongue wrongly. It's the same thing with faith. Let's pray for God to help us to grasp a hold of this message and understand that fear is the opposite of faith. Faith and fear cannot coexist. Neither can death and life coexist. Can I just say something so clearly here today, as clearly as I know how? Faith is the forward gear and fear is the reverse gear. Fear versus faith. All right, give me, just give me a definition of fear. What is fear? Well, here's what I found out. It's an unpleasant, often strong emotion caused by anticipation or awareness of danger. That's what fear is. Anybody who's ever felt fear, raise your hand. How many of you have ever been tempted to let fear drive your decisions to pray, your decisions to fast, your decisions for whatever is laying, waiting, it's so easy for us to let fear take the place where faith should be standing. Fear. Okay, what is the definition again? Unpleasant, often strong emotion caused by anticipation or awareness of danger. But let's do this. How about we define faith before we leave here today? Its definition is even shorter. 
Faith is firm belief in something for which there is no proof. <laughs> firm belief in something for which there is no proof. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. You know, I can kind of picture Jesus himself having this mind when he was talking to his disciples one day who were gripped with fear. Jesus didn't make it some complicated psychological analysis. You know what he said in Mark 440? He said to his disciples, why are you so fearful? Why are you under the, under the power of, a, of an unpleasant Strong emotion caused by anticipation or awareness of danger. Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? He's saying you need to have firm belief in something for which there is no proof. Because you simply know the God who is in charge of all eventualities. Hallelujah. Can I just, I want to make sure everybody catches what I'm about to say here. That faith and fear will eventually express themselves in your words or your actions. And you will become known, even if it's a little bit of a fringe discernment that maybe people can't just quite put their finger on, but you will eventually become known as a person who is fearful or a person who has faith. And it comes out in your words and actions. And I hope and pray today that when we're finished today, you're going to be able to stand strong and say, God, I am rebuking fear and I'm calling forth faith. I want faith to be summonsed in my spirit today and so that faith becomes a part of my words. Uh, that when I speak, I'm giving words that are bringing life. Uh, and when I speak and I act, I am doing things that are going to bring forth that faith that God is a God who will do what is not even possible by human standards and human understanding. But by God's grace, I am standing in faith. You see, we got a guy, we got a guy named Job who said in Job 3.25, he said, the thing which I greatly feared has come upon me. See, it eventually hit him. His fear became manifest. His fear began to be expressed. His fear actually happened. He said, that which I was afraid of is come unto me. Fear, fear has come unto me. My, my, my. Now, if I'm going to stick with the J's in the Old Testament, I think I'd rather jump over to Joel and have that mindset. Can I just show you what Joel said instead of, instead of saying that which I feared has come upon me? How many of you know somebody that you could say, you know that fear has come upon them, and that which is fear is really manifesting itself in their actions and their words? I hope you can't say that about anybody. How many of you could say that about yourself in times past? Fear. You know what? I'm confronting fear right now. I feel it in the Holy Ghost that I am confronting someone's fear. Someone's fear that is manifesting itself in reticence and hesitation and a lack of surrender and submission because you know that you're going to have to be com completely willing to give over to that which you have no proof for. But isn't God the God who has proven himself before? And I'm preaching to people and speaking to people on all ends of the, on all parts of the spectrum, those who have been serving God for decades as well as those who are brand new in their understanding of what I'm preaching about today. I want, I want it to be understood this morning that you have a choice to either stand with Job and you can say, Ooh, that which I have feared has come upon me, or we can all take a Joel stand. What does Joel say? Joel says, beat your plowshares into swords. Yeah, you know what a plowshare is? It's something that you use to, to rake the ground. It's something that you use to create rows in the ground to plant seeds. It's not, a, not intended to be a weapon, but he says, this is what we need to do. Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. And he says, let the weak say, I am strong. In other words, the power of your tongue is going to manifest itself. Uh, if you have a tongue that is filled with fear, it will come upon you. But if you're going to say, God, uh, let my tongue become that which is guiding me. I want to have faith 
towards God. Not faith away from God, but faith toward God. And my faith toward God says, I am, everybody say it with me, I am strong. One more time, I am strong. The enemy needs to hear you say it, friends. I believe that the, the, the world needs to hear you say it. Yourself needs to hear you say it. Here it is in the New Testament. In the New Testament, therefore I take pleasures in infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You see the faith coming out in that speaker? You see the faith coming out in the actions? The Apostle Paul was a man who had faith in God. Faith doesn't mean pretending that obstacles don't exist. It means realizing that God is in control regardless of the obstacles. It, God is going to take care of the circumstances. Can I, I, I want to just keep going into the Word here. What does Hebrews 10.35 say? It says, cast not away your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. It's coming back. If you have that confidence, it's going to come back. You will be rewarded. It's got an incredible return on investment when you have confidence in God. He says, for you have need of patience. After that you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise for yet a little while. And he that shall come will come and not tarry. Now watch this. This is very, very important. Now the just shall live by faith. But if anyone kicks your faith into reverse and has backwards faith, and your faith is going the wrong direction, it's not faith toward God, but faith towards fear. What does he say? If any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. Wow. Drawing back is the human way of backing away into a comfort zone that you've been and you felt at ease before. But he said, if you draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure. Who does God find pleasure with? I believe he finds pleasure with those. And he is pleased by those who say, even though I can't see it, I have faith. Even though I don't know it yet, I have faith. Can I just tell you, if you that you can have faith for something until it occurs, or you can have fear for something until it occurs. Wow, finally, Pastor, you're making it clear what you're telling us. That's it right there. It's possible to have faith for something until it happens. And have this very same instantane, have the very same uh, intensity, but now it's in reverse called fear for something until it occurs. Wow. Doesn't it make sense that I'd rather have something happen that is faith-based than fear-based? <laughs> you know, if everybody here under the sound of my voice in the next few minutes could really grasp this, there would be an, a resounding effort made vocally for us to say, God, I am lifting my eyes to a new vantage point. I am putting my faith not in the things of this world and not in my own flesh. I'm not putting faith in my own investments, but I'm putting faith in the God who gave me life and the God who gives, the God who takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I'm having faith in you. And I believe God will raise us to a new level of understanding. And I don't see why he wouldn't raise us to a new level of spiritual excellence. I want you to, everybody say magnify. Magnify. Jesus' name. Musicians can begin moving towards the front as I bring this little object lesson to your attention right here. All right? And everybody to think about this little thing right here. You'll see that? So I have this because I forgot my glasses, so I'm going to be able to... Oh, hey, hey, brother. Brother Scott, it's good to see you, brother. Scott Hubble, that's you. I see you now. I thought it was someone else without my glasses, but... It's you! Hallelujah. No, that's not why I brought this. I brought this for another reason. My hunting telescope. 
Mary said these words in Luke 1. She said, my soul doth what? Magnify the Lord. And my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. For he hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. For behold, she had just found out she was about to give birth to Jesus. From this point, henceforth means from now forward. All generations shall call me blessed. What? What, Mary? How do you know that? You have no proof. Mary, all generations from from this moment forward are going to call you blessed? Oh, come on. How do you know that? I ain't got no proof. You know what Mary had? She had faith. And it was based on magnifying. (laughs) She said, for he that is mighty hath done to me great things. And holy is his name. Y'all want to magnify the Lord with Mary? She said, my soul doth magnify the Lord. Does that, does that bring any other mind, any other scriptures to mind about magnification? Of course. It brings Psalm 34, verse 3 to mind. Psalm 34, verse 3 says, Oh, magnify. Could you stand with me right now, everybody on your feet? Let's get ready. Magnify. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together I sought the Lord and he heard me and guess what he did because I magnified him he delivered me from all my fears can I show you that magnification has everything to do with your faith both Mary and David are magnifying the Lord both Mary and David are looking at him through the promises in the future tense that he has made that's what I call faith God shall deliver me. God is my present help in the time. He gives me help. He is my light and my salvation. He will raise me up. Enemy, rejoice not against me. When I fall, I shall arise. Somebody talk about some future tense. Brother Hammond did a good job of bringing us some future tense promises this morning. He didn't even know what I was about to preach about. Can I tell you that faith uh, today is our ultimate, ultimate important foundation to everything after this blueprint message because if we don't have the kind of faith we should magnifying the Lord looking at him through the future tense then we will get nowhere and nothing will be accomplished and we'll end up stagnant in our love and our life for God I don't believe anybody wants stagnance I believe everybody wants life and wants forward movement may I remind you Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, no proof, but I've got faith. Everybody say, no proof, no proof. but I've got faith. No proof I'm going to be able to overcome this disease, but I've got faith. No proof I'm going to ever be able to rebuild this relationship, but I've got faith. No proof I'm going to be able to pay this bill, but I've got faith. The Lord is looking for somebody today that says, hey, you know what? I have faith. It is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. So here, here, I want everybody to start considering your eyes. Everybody thankful for vision? Raise your hand. Here's what faith does. Faith takes the telescope of life and looks through the big end. I want y'all to hear this. Looks through the big end. (laughs) Fear looks through the little end. Can I just let that settle in for a second? When you look through the fear side, Everything that should be small is big. But when you look through the big side that has faith, everything that, whoo, come on now, y'all with me on this? Everything that should be big is small. Woo! I, I hope you can remember that you have a telescope of life and you can't look at it through both ends at the same time. 
It's impossible to be neutral. You have to make a decision and I have to make a decision. And I'm hoping I can impress it upon you today to decide, are you going to be like the 12 spies who went into the land of promise that God had already told them was going to be theirs? But because they had fear, they looked through the big lens and they started looking and saying, whoa, those things are big to me. We're just little tiny grasshoppers in the sight of all those great big giants. And God said, you guys have it backwards. You should be looking through the side that says faith in God makes those things small and makes God big. Fear, 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 fear caused them to magnify the size of their problems. And how many of you feel like the enemy would love for you to have your problems vaunting themselves and launching themselves and bigger than life. I know that's the truth. The enemy of our soul is, is wanting this message not to be heard. He's wanting you to get antsy, a little, a little unsettled and ready to be done here today. But I, I feel like there's a few here today who are ready to say, I am sick and tired of fear magnifying my problems. I'm ready to let faith magnify my God. I want to let faith let me see God through his lens in Jesus' name. Can I tell you, whatever you get close to appears bigger, and whatever you get distant from appears smaller. Today, I'm giving you a choice. Remember, without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Can, can I just get y'all to just join me in a quick little, quick little launch into the Psalms right now? I think we need a little Psalm rejuvenation here today. Anybody use a little Psalm rejuvenation? How about Psalm 100? How about verses 1? Let's start at verse 1. Ready? I want everybody to say it loud enough you can hear your neighbor. Okay? And your neighbor can hear you. You ready for this? Say it loud enough that your neighbor's like, whoa, you're really making noise finally. Here it is. You ready? Make a joyful shout to go the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Read it with me now. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. Somebody give the Lord a hand clap of praise for who he is. Let's put on the, keep, keep, keep on the screen, verse number four, enter into his gates. That's the way we come before him. The scripture says they that come to God must believe, right? This is an approach. Verse four, enter into his gates with thanksgiving. So thanksgiving and then the courts with praise. And then there's be thankful and bless. So I want to just point something out real quick. Praise is different than thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is connected to what he has done. And if you haven't noticed, we've been giving God a lot of thanks today for the amazing things he has done in the history of this congregation, the history of our summer camp meetings, the history of the fact that God is a God who's given us blessing after blessing and generation upon generation. We give him thanks. Thanksgiving is connected to what he has done. But today, I like to get your focus on praise because praise is linked to who he is. Not what he's done, but who he is today. Right now, like I preached last Sunday, behold the now. Anybody remember that? Jesus Christ is very present today. So I've told people, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this over, this over this lectern this morning, that when you want the Holy Spirit to overwhelm you and you want to speak with other tongues and overflow with God's presence and spirit in your life, you repent, you do that revolution, 
you got to do the about face and you got to say, God, I'm done with fear in my life. And I'm ready for something new. I'm ready for faith. I want to, I want to stop looking through the big end at all my problems and whoa, they're here sooner than I thought because I got this wrong end of the lens. I'm going to start looking through that end and say, God, I got time because God, you are the author of time. God, I've got space because you are the author of space. Can I just tell you, here's what I've told, here's what I've told folks before and I've watched it happen. And you're hungry enough for God and you begin to just simply praise his name when you begin to give him thanksgiving that's what he's done but then when you begin to praise him that's when you do more than enter into his gates that is when you begin the process of going into the inner courts i'm inviting someone today to move beyond the gates and go on into the courts and say god i am not satisfied with what has happened with my life before i'm ready for a brand new dose of faith if what you need is more than what he's already done in your life, then what you say in praise should be more than what you've already seen him do. We've got no excuses here today. Anybody say with me right now, he has already done great things in my life, but I need more. Would anybody join me in that? He's done great things. Amen. I thank him for that. But you know what? I need him to do more. In fact, there are things bigger than I've ever seen before in my life that are confronting me. And I'm, I'm going to, today, I'm going to actively turn my telescope of life around and I'm going to say, God, I am turning it over to you. And here's how I'm going to do it. Here's how I activate this message. You're going to find on my lips more praise than ever before. You're going to find on my lips more praise and exaltation and adoration than you've ever found before. Can I repeat those words? If what you need is more than what he's already done, then what you say in praise should be more than what you've already seen him do. Praise is the key. I love Psalm 100 verse 4 in the message. Could y'all just look at this in the message with me? Look at this. This is, a, this is a really awesome paraphrase. Here's what it says. Enter with the password, thank you, and then make yourselves at home talking praise. Thank him. Worship him. How about we make ourselves at home talking praise today? How about we say, God, what you're doing for me is amazing. I can't see it. I don't have proof for it. I don't know how it can happen. But Lord, I have faith in you. Lord, I'm not afraid anymore in Jesus' name. I pray that you join me right now. Let's rebuke fear in this house. Lord God, I take authority in the Holy Ghost as the shepherd over this household. And I pray, God, for you to rebuke fear. Cast out fear, Lord, because fear has torment. Fear distracts. Fear pulls us away. Fear paralyzes us. Fear makes us a people who are no longer capable. Fear extracts our testimony. Oh God, release faith in our praise right now. I want to invite somebody to start praising God with me. Just go ahead and start saying, I praise you, God. I'm going to start talking praise. I'm going to start talking praise. I'm moving beyond the gates, and I'm going on into the courts. I'm going to say thank you, but then I'm going to make myself at home talking praise. Come on, somebody, help me praise the Lord.